Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. Also, listen to anywhere on your audio platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, you name it, listen on, and email the podcast, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com for any questions, thoughts, concerns, just want to say hi. Anyway, this week, Kevin is out on paternity leave, so it's just me and some friends. And for today's episode, we're going to throw down an interview I did with an Afghanistan 800-meter runner named Waze Karandesh. He's very interesting because... He is in this unique situation where he's one of those designated uh, athletes where a country gets to pick just one person if no one has a standard. And a lot of times those athletes kind of get overlooked and you don't think about how do they choose who gets to go to the Olympics if it's just one per country. And sometimes those countries don't really have a clear structure of who they choose to be the representative athlete for the Olympic Games or for global championships. And he represents Afghanistan, and there's a lot of chaos going on with the way the Federation really is choosing their athlete. He'll tell you more in this interview. It's very interesting, and I think it does shed a little bit of light on this unique process of choosing one athlete for a country that doesn't have any athlete with a world or Olympic standard. So enjoy this interview. Here we go. Hey everyone, I'm here with Weiss Karandish, an Afghanistan track and field athlete who you may have seen on our site in years past. He ran a 153 uh, in the 800 a few years ago, and now he's back on that Olympic dream of trying to run in Tokyo in 2021. But his story is very unique. And we said it's because he's one of those few athletes that represents a country that isn't like the United States. It's not like Britain or Kenya where they kind of rely on the universality entry. And what a universality entry is, is when a country doesn't have an athlete with an Olympic standard, they're allowed to select one male, one female to run in any event, sans the 10K and the decathlon and a few others to represent their country in the Olympic Games. 
And Weiss is here to talk about his path over many years of working <laughs> with the Afghanistan Federation, of how he has been kind of stonewalled uh, with given the opportunity to be that universality entry. And I just think it's an interesting story because we're so used to the the typical storylines of USA athletes and the big time stars. But this process is really confusing. And I think we want to bring light to that situation. So Weiss, thanks for joining us. First of all, give us a little background of your story and how we got to this point where we are now, where you're kind of still dealing with the difficulty of trying to represent Afghanistan at the Olympic games. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, Gordon, um, like you said, it has, it has been, uh, you know, uh, something that's gone on for years and years, really. Uh, I think 2010 is when I first, uh, made contact with the athletic federation and, and asked, they asked for videos and just any proof that they knew that I was a runner one and then a legitimate at that. Um, and then over the years, um, just, it's just been a process of like, um, where you are given some hope and some light, but then it's just kind of broken down and diminished, uh, as, as quickly as it comes up. Um, and it kind of all started in 2012. Uh, I got the green light to attend the world championships in, uh, indoors in Istanbul and Turkey. And, um, uh, unfortunately, my federation didn't communicate well to me because they had told me that they would take care of my passports and everything um, to compete. But unfortunately, their lack of uh, kind of urgency to get it done showed. And so I, I wasn't able to compete. Um, again, had to kind of fly out there on my own time, which seemed to be the trend, uh, uh, you know, the following years as well up until now. And um, and then that was when I was kind of first promised in front of uh, we were at a dinner table in front of the UK's high jump coach and then our other female athlete who was there with our athletic federation presence, who just said, hey, you know, Weiss is our guy to go to the 2020 London Olympics, uh, which was held later that year. And um, and that was kind of the initial process of when I knew I was kind of like you said, going to get stonewalled and uh a few months after that, I'd never heard back from the coach until after the Olympics when he decided to take his brother who runs the hundred meters and um, times are, you know, uh, kind of uh, what a decent uh, high school girl would run here in the U S. Um, but nonetheless, I kind of stayed with it and tried to kind of fulfill uh, their needs in terms of whatever they asked of me, whether it was like to buy your own tickets to go here or, uh, you know, show up at national championships so you could uh, get the meets. But since then, they've kind of taken a few different twists and turns just to make sure that they kind of leave me behind and keep me out of particularly like the Olympic Games. Um, and obviously, we'll get a little bit more into that. But that's kind of just the gist of it. So your federation, um, obviously, Basically, every year when it comes to a global championship, they got to mm -hmm. pick one man and one woman to represent right. the country. That's right. And you are part of that short list of who they will select based on your ability and the 400 all the way up to like the 5K. Um, but why have they been – they promise they're going to take you and then they take someone else. What have, has been the reasoning they have been – consistently saying one thing hey you're our guy and then they take someone else like a brother or someone in a different event uh 
from their perspective, what have they said as the reasoning for like, I right, sorry, we promised you we took this guy instead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for most of the time for the world championships and and just kind of running at the you know Asian championships or any other uh, uh, you know races overseas that doesn't include the Olympic Games, uh, usually they kind of either don't respond or say they don't have the money and so they can't take me or whatever the case may be. But I think the biggest thing has been for me and, and my, I've set like my sights at the Olympic Games since, like I said, when I first saw them in the 2008 um, Beijing Games. Um, and so I've kind of pushed them saying, hey, what do I need to do to make sure that I make this team? And each time they've given me a different message, a mixed message. First, they told me, well, you have to just train for the 100 meters because that's the only way that the um, that the universality card will allow us to uh, an athlete to kind of run in. And so, um, but again, that just is not true. Like you said, the only event that we can't run in are the 10,000, the steeplechase, and the combined event. Um, any other event is open, so it's up to the coaches. But they made it seem like that was a strict law that a rule that had to be followed by the International Olympic Committee. And when I told them that, then they went on to say, well, you live abroad in the States and what will the media and the athletes and the government say if we select an athlete who uh, who doesn't live in the country? It's like, okay, well, there's a few things there. Uh, one, you guys yourselves have told us over and over again, whether it's, uh, you know, on your website or your bylaws, you said there's, it does not matter where the athlete lives, it's more so their skill level, their talent, and what makes them the best athlete that will select them. Um, and then plus you've taken athletes in the past who live and train abroad, but you've never pointed out that as their uh, reason for not making the Olympic Games. So it's just been a, a bunch of just confusing messages. Um, and then they definitely don't tell you what it means to be the best athlete, right? Uh, they kind of just go off a of feel or in some ways like nepotism and just kind of who they like at that moment that year. Um, and, and, and again, I think the most difficult process for us athletes who are close teammates to one another is like kind of being this told the same story of like, Hey, you're my guy or you're my girl, or you're the one that's going to make it. But then, and, and unfortunately for them, they, they don't have as much awareness from as me in terms of, well, the reality is only one person gets to go. So I don't know why they're telling everybody, but they all like choose to believe him um, and, and go ahead and like put their heart and soul and mind into training. And then it shows up two weeks before they're like, oh, sorry, somebody else got to go or no one got to go because we didn't register. So um, so it's just been a, a, and I don't really understand how they kind of go about doing what they're doing. And then the, the mental and the psychological toll that this takes on athletes, it's just been ridiculous. Um, over the years. So you have been trying to, so let's look, focus on this 2021 games. Yeah. That's it. Where do you stand among all the other universality eligible athletes in Afghanistan? Mm -hmm. And why are, what, what, where are you in line with being selected? And what is the current reason why they wouldn't select you? And where is the, unfairness or discrepancy about mm -hmm. them not choosing you over someone else uh so in terms of uh where 
I'm on the land. I've, I've uh, as as humbly I can put it, I've always been one of the better athletes in line, and 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 that's kind of been proven by in terms of just when I go up and show up at the national championships, or just have been consistently improving. Um, so I've always been in the beginning of the line, but what seems to happen when I get to the front of the line is something happens, somebody else shows up that the coaches favor a little bit better or that they just tend to like a little bit better. And they say, you know what, like, let's put that guy in front of Weiss. And unfortunately, with the Olympics, it comes every four years. So it, it's not easy for them to or it's not hard for them to just go ahead and find somebody that they like a little bit better than me every four years. And so as of right now, uh, I think I, I uh, had told you off camera a little bit, they have kind of already selected their athlete. And he's currently right now training in Iran to get good training because there's no facilities or resources in Afghanistan. So they send their athletes over to Iran to tr make them train. Um, and so they, in their mind, have their athletes set and and then kind of ready to go and selected. Um, but the thing is, they didn't invite like the majority of the athletes who were eligible to compete at the national championships. They just kind of went silence and held it in secrecy to say, oh, yeah, we got our guy. And so everybody else who didn't make it, that's on you. Um, and, and so that's really been the case as of this year. Um, and, and we're hoping that we can kind of get that reversed in, in one way or another. So you're, you're going to take this to court. And what is going to be the case you lay out? Um, and however you're able to reveal details or whatever, but what's the case of why um, it was an, an unfair discriminatory process against you um, over not being taken over the guy that they currently have on mind who's currently training in Iran? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's just been a few a few different things, right? So overall, what does it mean to be the best athlete and the best performer and because there's been no clear measurement of that and it's just based off of like just a personal opinion like hey that guy looks good so let's take him versus this guy has been uh, standing up against us over time and speaking out uh, for athletes so let's not take him and so the the biggest thing for us is like uh, again that just discrimination of me living overseas and training overseas and and saying having that used against me but then again uh, we also have when you compare the use the IWS performance tables and and score the different athletes based off of their best times, I come ahead of every athlete like two to three hundred points ahead, no matter what event they run, whether it's a hundred, two hundred, four hundred. And most recently at the net national championships that they held last year to select this guy, um, they told everybody that he ran a ten five eight, but that was hand time, and our national record is eleven eleven. So it's just. And I don't understand how the IAAF or the IOC can make that acceptable when all my times have been all electronic, right? And so you have to have some sort of validity. And even they say, well, the uh, NOCs have to take every step to ensure that there was no, no one left out, no discrimination, and investigate that there's accuracy in the times that they put out. So that that's like... Um, that's really our other reason. And then, um, and it, it, and then there's a few things in there that I can't just, um, uh, say right now, but hopefully it'll come out later on when, when the case is finalized. What, what do you think is the main problem with, uh, countries that have to do this universality entry process? You know, some people might think, well, 
if you it's tough luck run run the fast times and you can go to the olympics but there are you know multiple athletes who are chosen by their governing bodies for because they get that represent the country spot um what is the current flaw that you see in the system and you know 10 years from now if if you don't get selected and the problem is solved what would be the ultimate dream for to solve this universality entry selection process oh that's a big question garden um i mean i think it kind of starts with you know a few different things right i think the biggest thing is uh i mean there definitely does need to be uh because the universality rule comes from the ioc right they're the ones that have to put it out because they're the ones who kind of say hey for the countries that don't have the spot here's what we can do for you here's a favor um now that's all uh that's kind and 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 i think uh, it's inclusive of different countries because different abilities and and class and poverty that that all plays a role like in somebody being able to make it to the next level or not um so that in itself kind of needs to be there needs to be a sense of like responsibility held um you know from the ioc to the national olympic committees and saying like hey here's how you have to select your best athlete and not just based off of opinion and then the other uh, and hopefully you can set different types of and then also as this comes up there's different types of funding that goes into developing athletes and whatnot and that kind of gets misplaced and you can't just there has to be a sense of accountability on where all that goes, the resources, the responsibility. Um, and then the other thing, the biggest piece, uh, which this one has to do more with the country itself than the international Olympic committee is kind of help. And, and this is difficult because uh, when you give somebody power, it's not often that they can kind of, uh, you know, not indulge in some of that, you know, and benefit in some of that and finding a way to like, take away some of that corruption that can come out of given like uh, let's say in our case, our Federation president, the power to select this athlete. And then in 96, in 2004 and 2008, taking your two brothers, that just does not work. Are you telling me like out of, you know, the uh, hundreds of athletes that you have there, your two brothers seem to be fast as athletes. It's like, it just does not work that way. And I think, there has to be some investigation involvement more in like, okay, why, why this one, why this athlete, what has he done compared to another athlete? Like, where did you hold the national championships and, and in what capacity? Um, so, so, and, and then kind of your latter question of 10 years from now, as I look back and, and kind of have this fixed, I think my goal honestly is like, I think having gone through like a number of, times where I've been let down and deprived of opportunities where I know that I should have made it. Uh, there's been hundreds of athletes like me that have had to go through even more difficult road who had to live there. And my goal is to hopefully down the line, we can get to a place where uh, not only is there enough investment in the sports, but also um, no other athlete kind of gets left behind as a result of like, again, coaches choosing favorites over somebody else. Uh, and I think that's a big ask. <laughs> I mean, that's something that even in the U.S. or other parts of the country uh, world kind of goes on, whether it's Nigeria or other places. Uh, but at least the governing bodies can do a better job of kind of tightening the ropes a little bit and saying, hey, like, what the heck is going on here? Let's try and make sure we do the right thing. Um, so so that's the that's the goal, hopefully. Have you tried to contact the World Athletics or the IOC to kind of be like, hey, 
I know you guys are in charge of a lot of countries, but like there's something going on in my country and uh, we could really use your help to kind of make things a little more fair um, today and tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, gosh, that kind of, um, you know, not to name any names, but I literally went from the top of the list from starting with the presidents of both uh, agencies, the IOC and the IWF contacted them down. Um, and, uh, obviously those, they, those guys, I understand they have, uh, things that are more, uh, you know, important to deal with, take care of. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, I've been told different things, uh, in terms, in terms of like, they saying, oh no, we're just going to give power away, uh, to these guys. I know in 2016, they had a lot going on with, you know, the Russia and yeah, everything was going on. So they they use that as reasons. And then the games coming up as like reasons to say, Oh, we're so busy. We cannot attend to you. We apologize, but we have to let the federations take charge of this. It's like, all right, that's fine with us, but at least hold them a little bit responsible. Uh, and then when nothing got done, I, I persisted like, Hey, like you at least guide them to the right direction. And they're like, well, we can tell them, but we can't, uh, we can ask them to do this, but we can't, force them to do anything it's like well wait a minute if you're the governing body you can be a little more stricter than saying hey like come on let this guy compete for you um and then it got to a point where afghanistan wasn't doing anything ioc wasn't doing anything i uh iwf wasn't doing anything and it got to a point where like i had some emails blocked from the ioc and iwf uh and i even went online in 2016 and they have a uh compliance hotline uh, that you can fill out like what's going on and they'll get back to you and nothing i still to this day have not heard anything back from that compliance report that i made uh, on the ioc's website um so yeah I, I i think i've done way too much of reaching out and i have obviously all the emails to to kind of show for it so you're going to currently uh file a complaint or go to, go to court mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken uh yeah. what how does that process work out and who's going to hear your case and when do you hope they be able to make a decision by? Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we kind of wanted to make sure that we go through the country and the, see if they had any system for like uh, fairness in sports or somebody hearing our cases. But when you go to the Afghanistan's Olympic uh, committee website, they say, well, if there's any, uh, concerns from an athlete of any type of discrimination, unfairness in sports or politics that have come up, uh, we're just going to defer to the CAS, which is the Court of uh, Arbitration of Sports, uh, uh, and uh, and we'll just let them take the lead. So, yeah, we're going to take it to the CAS. Um, I think it's the highest sporting court um, in, Switzerland, in the world in Switzerland. So my lawyer actually is based out of there. Um, and we're going to hopefully take it there and then see what comes out of it. What has... Uh... What's the one message you got? I guess you can get take can tell the people about mm-hmm. universality entry um, and kind of something that you know no one really ever thinks about, right? I'll be honest, I don't really think about you're thinking yeah. about who's getting the standard and all stuff. You don't think about those five to six athletes that are just like in the event. And you're like, oh, well, how did they get? What was their journey to be selected for those five to six spots? But what's like kind of some light you can kind of shed? to the people about what it's like being a universality entry prospect? Oh, um, uh, you know, I, I wish sometimes I was in this spot where like, you know, 
there was like a selection process, like you make it top three or you get this uh, time and like you make it. Like I wish I was in that position and I wish our country was in that position, but unfortunately decades of war, decades of trauma have like really prevented them from being at that next level. Uh, but I mean, I think the biggest thing that like I've kind of recognized as I sit back and look over the years and look at um, not only my experiences but my teammates, both the men's and the women's team is that, you know, sports in general, it's just physically and, and especially like psychologically so damaging, right? Like, uh, like demanding and, and it asks so much of you. And sometimes the, the pressure that coaches put on you to perform at the world-class level, but at the same time put you through so much psychological trauma of like giving you false promises. Um, and, and then at the end of the day, when this whole time they were playing with your head and they knew that only one athlete should get to go, but they tell a number of different athletes that, yeah, you'll get to go. I think that's the hardest part for me is like, um, not only having gone through the emotional roller coaster of not knowing if, um, but also everything else that comes with like having to train full time, letting go of social life, letting go of everything else. Um, that's what kind of, I think makes it the most difficult for me. And then beyond the universality rule for me, I think one of the, a few of the reasons why I want to keep pushing forward for this is, I mean, there are so many incredibly talented girls and women in Afghanistan and, and they kind of show out in numbers and practices, but they're not nearly like their representation in terms of numbers is just not even close to like what the men's or the uh, guy um, team should be at. And I think that's the most frustrating thing for me too, is like, you see Afghanistan, the IOC, the IWF talking about promoting women's sports, but then it's like, okay, well, the easiest thing you could do is allow them to participate. <laughs> and if you're taking that away from them, it's like, you're kind of going against your own message. So I'm hoping that there's more involvement in terms of allowing really young girls, you know, and women kind of compete so that um, the playing field kind of is even for everybody, which in some ways, you know, we think we're ahead here, but when you look at it in countries like that, it's like, whoa, we've got a, we've really got a long way to go. And that's just not like a word or a phrase that we say. Um, so, so that's kind of the, 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 you know, light that I hope to see at the end of that tunnel, whenever that ends. Well, hopefully uh, this court ruling goes, goes well and is a yeah. swift process and that mental stress is kind of relieved yeah. um, going into the, uh, the Olympic cycle. So, Appreciate you, man, taking the time to talk about your story a little bit and uh, hopefully follow up and see, see what happens at the end. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Sounds Thanks. good. Thanks, Gordon. No problem. Thanks, man.